WPSL Port St. Lucie. It is 9 o'clock, and it is time for We Are Just Christians, live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Schmidt, Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Good morning and welcome. We Are Just, we are just Christians. Christians. We're so glad, glad you're with us today. today. Appreciate, appreciate it very, it very much, much and hope to make it a point to tune in each Sunday morning at 9 o'clock on the show. We're on live now until 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. I invite you to call in with any questions or comments. And I'm going to give you some ways in just a moment how to get in touch with us. <clears throat> if I can get over this frog in my throat, Gary. <laughs> my name is Mike Schmidt, as you heard, and Gary Jones is with me this morning as usual. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Uh, better better than usual. Better than usual. Well, we ha- I had to be gone late, so I had surgery last two weeks ago and uh, was not able to be here but we're glad we can be back today you can reach we are just christians live at by calling 772-340-1590 772-340-1590 is the number here to, to reach us live we'll take your calls comments questions anything that's on your mind you don't have to talk about the subject that we have going on you can change the subject anytime you'd like to in fact, we prefer to talk about what you want to talk about, not what we've got set up here on the show. We'd be glad to change the subject, whatever is on your mind. And we're going to try to give you, as usual, a scripture or Bible answer to whatever question you have. It may not be complete because it is a live show. We'll give you some references to look up. We can begin the discussion. And then, we, if you can, stay on the air with us, and we'll, we might have some follow-up questions back and forth. We'd like to have a discussion not just some kind of a confrontation or argument. We don't mind if you disagree at all, but uh, the purpose of the show is to learn. So we'd like to, you know, hear what you have to say and give you a chance to respond. And as usual, we promise that we're going to give you the last word on whatever subject we're talking about, and then we'll, then we'll move on. <clears throat> you can also reach the show by text message. You can reach Mike. That's me, 772 Seven seven two two six zero six one two zero, and then Gary's text number is very similar. Seven seven two two six zero six two two zero is Gary's text number, and so you can text us during the show, uh, or even during the week. All right, looks Gary, looks like we have a caller on the line already this morning. We're we're glad that you're here. Ken, are you there? Yeah, Mike. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I want to wish you a happy Hanukkah. And then that I wanna... started this week, did it on Thursday? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what Hanukkah means? Oh, I can't remember now. Dedicated or something like that. I can't think of the name of the word. Dedication. Dedication. It means yeah. dedication. Yeah, dedication. That's kind of what I thought it meant. Um, I got a couple scriptures for you. All right, give me, let me get my uh, pen out so I can write them down here. Go ahead. This one is First Chronicles seven nine. Uh, Second Chronicles, I'm sorry. Second Chronicles seven nine. And the other one is First Kings eight sixty five. Sixty five. Okay. What was that Second Chronicles one again? Seven nine. Verse nine. Chapter seven. Verse nine. Okay. Got it. All right. You want Carrie to read it, Ken? Yeah. And on the eighth day, they held a sacred assembly, for they observed the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And then oh, you said First Kings? Yep. Eight, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 65. Ah, I did the wrong thing here. <coughs> Hang on, Ken. I did it all wrong. What I'm trying to do is not going to work. Okay. Then he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice, saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promises which he promised through his servant Moses. Is as far as you want me to go? No. uh, Maybe it's verse 66. Go to the next verse. Well, verse 57 is the next verse. May the Lord our God be with no. us. No, no, no. It's verse 65. Verse 65. 865. I'm not, I'm not showing a, 
At the same time Solomon held a feast, and all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt, before the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, 14 days. Is that the one you want? Right. Yeah, that's the key verse I want to talk about. What they're talking about here is celebrating the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, and then celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles right after. Whoa. We're getting a lot of feedback on your phone. So let me, let me get away from my phone. You're, you're saying that Second Chronicles is talking about Hanukkah? Yes, it's talking about both. It says a feast of seven days and another feast of seven days. Same thing in Kings here. Hmm. That's a new one to me um, because I didn't think Hanukkah came into existence until Until about 165 Uh, B.C. It's dedication of the temple. Okay, this is dedication of Solomon's temple? Yes. Yes. But the Feast of Hanukkah did not arise as a feast until the incident of uh, when the, the Maccabees drove Antiochus Epiphanes out of, out of Jerusalem and there was not enough oil for the lamps and so forth. At least that's what the book of Maccabees says about it. I, I thought Solomon's temple was dedicated at, at um, uh, the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles. That's Tabernacles. That's Tabernacles, yeah. So you're saying that the Feast of Dedication is also the Feast of Tabernacles, huh? That's a new one to me. Um, it's right before. Well, At least that time it was. Now, Hanukkah, Hanukkah was a delayed Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, well, now that, that, I, that I will agree with, at least from what I've read, that, that Hanukkah, as it were, what the actual holiday today that we call Hanukkah is something that did not come into existence until the intertestamental period because it was representative of the fact that during the time of the Maccabees they could not celebrate the Feast of of, uh, Tabernacles on time because of all the war and so forth going on and so when that was over which would have pushed it into what into our December from September to December pushed it forward then they established a. Uh, then they had a feast at that time, where the light supposedly they had enough oil for one day, and it lasted eight days. And that's called the dedi- That's called the feast of Hanukkah or dedication. Although, <clears throat> well, let me ask you this, Ken, before we go any further. John ten twenty two. In Jesus' lifetime, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Mm-hmm. Now, what what feast is that? Is that Tabernacles or is that Hanukkah? No, that's well, that's Hanukkah because it's in winter. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's I think, I, think I, w- I was going to make a point that that it's ironic that uh, Christmas is not in the Bible, but Hanukkah is in the Bible in the New Testament. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting, and and people get kind of cross-eyed when you tell them that, but uh, <clears throat> that's a fact. Christmas is not in as a holiday is not in the New Testament, nor is it ever commanded or said anything about it, except that there's an account of the birth of Christ. But here Jesus comes to Jerusalem in the wintertime during this feast of dedication. Now, my understand I, I did not know that they made a yearly feast of the except the Feast of Tabernacles about the dedication of Solomon's temple. I know that during the intertestamental period they made a feast of dedication about the rededication of, of the temple, the second, uh, temple. The second, second temple, temple, Zerubbabel's temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. So that's news to me. Well, go, go ahead and make your point about this. Okay. Now, um, Hanukkah, or, uh, Hanukkah is the first time people fought a war over religious freedom. The first time they fought a war over religious freedom. Yes. Well, okay. I, I'd have to think about whether it's the first time, but it's um, 
it certainly is it certainly is that it certainly is a, a fight that was a war that was going on because Antiochus Epiphanes had defiled the temple and uh, huh? you know driven out many of the Jews and so forth. Let me tell you a couple of things he did. He uh, basically was trying to Hellenize the Jews, force them into right. uh, giving up their religion. And from what I read, there was a large segment yeah. of the Jewish population that, that was going along with that. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That were, they were happy to do that, and they were, that they were fine with speaking Greek and not circumcising their children and all that kind of thing. Right. You know, and when you think of dedication, we're not thinking necessarily of just dedication of the temple. We're thinking of dedication to God and being loyal to God. Um, so what you're saying is this is a dedication more of the people themselves to God rather than just yes, the structure of the temple. Being loyal to, and being loyal to God and faithful. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, Antiochus did was he refused to let them worship on the Sabbath. Ooh, does that sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they were, there was only a minority of the people that, that were not taken in by this deception, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, back in Chronicles, when we read in chapter 7, verse 9, if you go to 14, that's that famous verse, if my people, verse, Familiar with the one I'm talking about? I think so. Let, let me let me look it back uh, up. If my people who are called by my name, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Right. That's the one you hear quoted a lot these days about the United States, isn't it? Yeah. Certainly, yeah. certainly fits. One other thing here which I think is interesting. Um, Antiochus gave himself the name Epiphanes, which means God manifested. Yeah, the appearing, appearance. The Jews, yes. the Jews gave him a different name. They called him Epiphanes, which means crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, um, he was, he was mad in a different kind of way. You bring up a pet peeve of mine, Ken. When when uh, when these leftists and Marxists today do something that's just completely insane, we, I'm using the word in quotes now. Well, I say, oh well, they're just crazy. I, I don't believe these people are crazy, in the true sense. I think they know exactly what they're doing when they want to take a little five-year-old kids and and cut off their male sex organs to make them into girls. I don't think they're crazy. I think they're 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 wicked. They're, they're making a point, and so to to make call somebody crazy is some in, in our in our time, not in the time that you're talking about. So I'm not criticizing what you're saying. But in our time, it tends to diminish a person's responsibility for what for what they're doing, and I think these people know exactly what they're doing when they oppose biblical principles and biblical things, and so I I don't call them crazy. Evil might be a different word that I would use. But I think what they mean by crazy here is they could they were he was very unpredictable from what I read about it. And I'm no I'm no expert on this period of history, but he was very reckless and uh, determined that he was going to stamp out the Jewish religion as something distinct. And, and that's the religious freedom that you're talking about, I believe. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're a guy, you're a little on the crazy side. What's that now? Who's on the crazy side? Who's on the crazy side? I am? No, I'm saying Antiochus. Oh, yes, he was, perhaps. He, he was, but there's a there's an evil to the craziness, too. And uh, this man was anything but good. And uh, the Maccabees kind of led a revolt against him, of course, which is recorded in First Maccabees. Second Maccabees is apparently a kind of a, a Greek rendition of the of first Maccabees to some degree. One was written in Hebrew, 
think that's First Maccabees. The other written in Greek <clears throat> at about the same time. And he, they were trying to retell this story. I read the other day, Ken, this is one reason that Hanukkah ha- has, uh, is not mentioned as much as some of the other feasts in traditional Jewish liturgies and so forth is because of its connection to the Greek language that's, that the events in the Maccabees are recorded in and so forth. So in any event, um, uh, in any event, that, that's part of the problem with it. But I've always thought that this Hanukkah as a holiday was speaking of the events at the time of the Feast of Dedication when they rededicated the temple of, of oh, well, I call it Zerubbabel's temple, the second, the second temple, when they renovated that temple and rededicated after he had defiled it. Uh, I did not connect that up with Solomon's temple in Second Chronicles. But, of course, they were doing the same kind of thing that Solomon was doing at that time. He had built a building, and now he was going to offer up sacrifices to dedicate this particular building in service to the Lord as a holy place. When they had to redo the temple because he had sacrificed pigs on the altar and all kind of other things, Antiochus Epiphanes, this crazy man you're talking about. When they had to rededicate it in about 165 or so A.D., if my memory's correct, they did the same kind of thing. They had all kind of ceremonies, and they had sacrifices offered up and so forth. And so, yes, it was a kind of dedication, the same kind of thing. Now, the question is, this passage in, at least one of my questions would be, this passage in John chapter 10, where Jesus goes into Jerusalem during the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter, um, I, I've always thought that was what we would call Hanukkah, this feast that was developed not as a feast of the, uh, of the Lord, but a feast of the Jews in, uh, in, in between the Testaments. I, thought, I always thought that was it. And by the way, I'm intentionally making a distinction between the feast of the Lord as recounted in Leviticus 23 as opposed to the feast of the Jews, of which there are others which are not necessarily outlined in Scripture in the Old Testament scripture, and Hanukkah would be... That kind of makes it much more uh, uh, amazing that it's even mentioned in the New Testament. Yes, well, it it was apparently a a somewhat important time that they gathered together. That's right. It it was something the Jews remembered. I I, I don't think historically that that the traditional Jews of Jesus' day and on forward, the traditional Jews ever thought of Hanukkah as being on a par with the Feast of Tabernacles or or Passover or the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. I don't think they put it in that category because it's not mentioned in Leviticus. But it was a feast where they did think something miraculous happened at this dedication of the temple by God's hand in between the two testaments. And so it's it's kind of like a book of Esther. What's that? The other miraculous thing that happened was they defeated Syria. Syria. Oh, yes. A small army of Jews basically drove out a large army. And that's how, from what I've read, Ken, you may know more than me about this, but what I've read, that's kind of how it's presented in the synagogues today, that the the few defeated the many. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, which fits with many biblical narratives, many biblical stories, accounts, have that as the theme. The few, with Jehovah on their side, defeated the many uh, who are against them. Yeah, and well, in the Testament, <coughs> that seems to be a signature of God being with them. Yes. Trust me, and I'll take care of you, whether you're few or, or, few or many. Few or many. You know, basically, it's illogical that you should defeat them with this many people, but I'm going to make it so. Right. Because that, that's what God is saying. And, that, and that's one reason, that, and that, I think, is what the, how it's often presented in synagogues probably this present day. And kept as such. Oh, by the way, that uh, first uh, that John ten is verse twenty two. You were looking. Is that what I said, John? I thought I said that. Maybe I didn't, but it's uh, verse twenty two. And and by the way, it says it was winter. And doing a little, I was doing a little bit of reading about this here recently. The idea of the winter there, it can mean, according to guys like, um, oh, what's his name, Clark, Adam Clark, commentator, older commentator. He says it probably doesn't refer to a time of the year as much as a type of weather, stormy or rainy weather. 
And that's why Jesus was on Solomon's porch, as it were, uh, in the portico underneath shelter when he said these things. I don't know about that either. It, it certainly, it, it probably goes together because the rainy season in Israel is that time of year. So it probably goes together uh, with uh, what we would call winter time in the northern hemisphere here in any event. <clears throat> but the other thing about this whole feast of, um, of Hanukkah, from what I can tell, historically speaking, Hanukkah was not a major Jewish holiday uh, until, in the Western world at least, until Christmas became so popular among Christians. And that didn't happen for centuries and centuries and centuries. Really, Christian, Christmas did not become an extremely popular holiday until uh, sometime in the mid-1800s in the United States. And many religious Christian bodies still object to Christmas as such, as a holiday, because it has no New Testament foundation, has no foundation of teaching in the New Testament as to how to keep that holiday, if it is one. But in order to compete with Christians, the Jews kind of have elevated, culturally elevated, Hanukkah to a little higher level and, and more widespread celebration than it would have been before that time. It was, it was always something they remembered since the time of Christ, but it was not elevated to that type of a, almost on a par with Passover and so forth. It, it probably doesn't belong there at, on a par with Passover. If they were keeping the old law, it sure would, surely wouldn't be. What do you think about that, Ken? Uh, you know, my guest has a funny, funny uh, take on that. You know, my guest is Jewish uh, gospel singer. And, uh, Marty Guest, yeah. is that who you're saying? Ma- Marty, Marty Guest. Ma- okay, yes, Guest. Yeah. Okay. I've yeah. seen you some TV visits. Yes, so. he, he's a Jewish singer, yeah. right. Yeah, right. And he sings scripture mostly. Right. Uh, he, he being a Jew, you know, they were competing against the Christians because of Christmas. So in Hanukkah, they get a gift every day. Each day of Hanukkah, from the first day to the eighth day, and each day they get a little bit bigger gift. So he was very happy because of that. But then he got very depressed when he heard about the 12 days of Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) You still can't compete with that, can you? (laughs) Well, well, you know, uh, uh, Adam Sandler, you know, that great Bible scholar Adam Sandler, sang a song about that, right? The Hanukkah song about uh, we got, uh, what, eight wild and crazy nights. You got one day as a Christian, that kind of thing. But uh, uh, put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. I, you can look the song up. Anyway, uh, don't, sm- don't smoke marijuana because here comes Hanukkah. You can look up the song. But, yes, there's a, there's a competition for some reason there. And I, I can see that if you're a Jewish child and you feel kind of left out why you would do this. But it does point out a little bit about the fact that some of these holidays that we celebrate religiously, which we have no biblical mandate or really direction to do, uh, they serve our own feelings, our own purposes more than they often do what God has set, has for the feast. Uh, it, he said, his church historians, um, what's that guy's name? Um, now I can't think of his name, <clears throat> wrote the history of the Christian church, Philip Schaff and others. Philip Schaff, a huge vo- volumes on history of the Christian church, historian. He says that in New Testament days, there was no evidence whatsoever of any yearly feasts at all to be celebrated by Christians. And for centuries and centuries after, after the apostles, Christians did not keep any yearly celebrations, only the weekly remembrance of the Lord's Supper. It wasn't until much later. And that, for example, is why we at this church don't have special Christmas celebrations. Uh, or Easter. Or, or Easter, because there's no evidence that the early church did that. Nothing in the New Testament about that. Uh, we keep the Lord's Supper as the New Testament commands. Now, if a family here wants to put up a Christmas tree and have some lights on their house and give gifts to their children, there's no objection to that. 
that's their personal business and it is it's a it's a nice family holiday but you've got to get you know here's the thing you've got to get christ in christmas before you can keep him in christmas that's a very unpopular view ken you got to get christ in there in the celebration of a holiday called christmas especially one with all the pagan trappings of christmas well before you can keep him there and i just don't think that's where the New Testament head well, takes us. In one of the New Testament basically phrases is basically if you want to keep a day to the Lord yourself privately, you can keep a day to the Lord yourself privately, whatever you want to do. Exactly. That, that's exactly and that's the point I'm making. That's, that's what you can do. If you don't want to keep a day to the Lord, then don't. Uh, the choice is yours. But as far as the, the church is concerned, what we're doing. And the assembly yeah. is concerned, we don't have authority to do anything else. And Yes. And I, um, and I don't know what to, I, I think you're correct, Ken, going back to your original point about dedication, that yes, they were doing the same thing in the days of, of, of uh, the Maccabees that Solomon did, and he dedicated a, a building made of stones and mortar. He dedicated that building to the Lord by sacrificial offerings. In the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, they were doing the same thing when they wanted to bring back the temple worship to where it should have been all along, they did the same kind of a ceremony, you see. Uh, and uh, you have uh, John the, uh, who text, texted in that in John 7, you have Jesus going to the Feast of Tabernacles incognito or without want, not wanting to be seen. Here in John 10, he kind of goes and he's here on the porch teaching. In John 10. So you see Jesus appeared during these feasts. He went to Jerusalem to keep these feasts, just like all the other Jews around them, you see. So in any event, it's interesting to me, and I always try to, you know, kind of light people up with the idea that Hanukkah is in the, in the New Testament, but, but Christmas isn't. They don't know what to make about that. And the trouble is, people don't really care. I think that's really what it is, Ken. That's what probably bothers me more than debating about Christmas per se is that people don't really care whether it's in the Bible or not they're going to do it and they're going to do what they want to about it whether it's in the Bible or not that's the troubling thing to me not whether you and I can disagree about what we should be doing it's like it's like we have a guy running for president and you find out he is uh, not a U.S. citizen after he's running for president. My impression is that most Americans, if they like the guy, wouldn't care whether he met the constitutional requirements or not. We found out he's only 33 years old. The Constitution says 35 years old. And they wouldn't care as long as they got their way with their guy. That's troublesome uh, politically. It's troublesome religiously when we don't care what's in the Bible or what the Bible says about any of these days and well, weeks that, and things like that. that. That's troublesome. That attitude started out with Scripture and has now moved over to the Constitution. Well, yeah, it's the same type of thing. Well, same and, and it leads to the same place. It leads to confusion and, uh, and well, things like that, which well, we're, trying to, we're trying to go back to the Bible, back to being just a Christian like there were in New Testament times. Well, That's the thrust of this show. it leads to chaos. You don't have right. the rule of law when you ignore the Constitution, and you don't have God ruling your life when you don't have Scripture. Exactly. Well, you don't stay with that and, and hold to that. <clears throat> Ken, I imagine you want to make another point or two about this. What's, what else you got on your mind? Yeah, just, just a couple. Um, um, I'll give you an example. An example is crazy today. Uh, if you say that men cannot have babies, that's hate speech. Right. I don't know. I don't still. I, I, you can say it, it's crazy cause, because it's completely against all logic and definitions of words and nature itself but I don't think these people are crazy I think they're wicked yeah yeah well I agree. you get I agree. my point but you're right it is it, it's bizarre because uh, there's never been a society in the history of the world that we can go there here's a piece of crazy for you uh, yeah I just pulled it out of my little stuff stack of stuff here Left-wing pastor gets backlash after claiming Christmas is a feminist holiday about a woman leading a revolution. Uh, this is from 
a United, United Church of Christ, Reverend Jess Cast. Christmas season is about God choosing a woman to lead a revolution of reorganizing the structures of societal power by her leadership, tenderness, and faith. So uh, somebody fires back and says, so it's not about her son, huh? <laughs> it's about the woman. Uh, now, see, this is taking, this is taking uh, a scriptural thing. This woman, Jess Cass, does not believe in the New Testament that she's talking about. She's going to talk about religious words and religious ideas, but she doesn't actually believe the text. If she thinks she can go to the text of the Bible and say that Jesus' birth was about a woman leading a revolution to upset societal structures in some Marxist way, then she's not really believing the text that's right before. And if, if she's making Mary the most important person in the text, when Mary herself calls herself a servant or a handmaid, uh, then you've got this whole, I, I wonder if this left-wing pastor loves the, the handmaid's tale uh, and so forth, you see. But the, you've got this whole, I, whole thing of, I'm going to take a book that I don't believe in, that I think you're crazy for believing in, and I'm going to beat you over the head with it. Um, there's, little, there's little to respect. And then getting it wrong. I don't have any problem with people making a, a poem about the Bible that contradicts something that I believe. We'll talk about that. But when they don't even believe it themselves, uh, then, or, or they, don't even, they don't even care about the criticism they're making. They're just trying to make somebody else look bad. And they're trying to make the Bible into a Marxist textbook. Um, it's, it's, that is absurdity. Is it, is it crazy or is it evil? Well, you can, you well, can debate I, I, that I for I yourself. I want to go back just a minute, Mike, to what you said about uh, logic and reality and life and people who essentially believe men can have babies. And I, I'm, I'm going to quote a couple of people here that I found on the Internet. So take this for a grain of salt. This is what I found. Ocasio, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez quote from her, it is more important to be morally right than factually correct. Thomas Sewell had this to say about that. It is usually futile to try to talk facts and analysis to people who are enjoying a sense of moral superiority in their ignorance. I think that was a good way to write And that's that kind of what's going on here. And that's what's going on. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Um, this woman goes on to say, <clears throat> she said, uh, this so-called United, United Church of Christ, um, and by the way, there's no connection to the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard to the United Church of Christ. We probably could not be more opposite <laughs> on the Christian spectrum of things right. if you tried. But Ma Mary, she says, Mary needed to say yes before Jesus could be born. In other words, we've got to have this verbal consent. Of course, God did, did tell her what was going to happen. And she said, and Mary did as you that. wish. She did say yes. The Gospel of Luke tells us this. The vitriol provoked by this response yesterday illustrates a pervasive lack of respect of the opinions and the bodies of women. She's, she's trying to get at the abortion issue here and so forth. Uh, there are many of these feminist scholars who say that God raped Mary. Now, you listeners, you, I know I just said something to you sound sacrilegious. I'm not saying it because I believe that. I'm saying I'm quoting what some of these professors that you send your kids off to school to be taught by and these left-wing professors, what they say about the Bible. They say that God raped Mary, and that's why we got Jesus Christ. So Christianity, they will tell you, is founded upon sexual assault. I've got the article here somewhere to, to say that and quote the people that teach that kind of thing. But um, in any event, this is how crazy people are getting today, Ken. I think that's where you were going, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, let, me, let me mention one other thing. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you where I think Christmas is mentioned in the New Testament. Okay, that'd be good. Uh, of course, I, I can't prove this. But when the angel came to Mary and said, you're pregnant, that was Christmas. Now, think about this. Jews don't celebrate birthdays. They celebrate death days. They remember death. They don't remember birthdays. 
interesting. Well, I didn't. I, I, I've heard that. I, I can't. I don't know if I've read much about that, but I've heard that. Well, let me say this about the point about they'll go to the cemetery and they'll put stones on the grave site. Right. You know, because stones are eternal, as it were. Right? Remember the day you died. Right. They don't remember. They don't really celebrate birthdays that much. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's the thing about it, though. Now, I'm gonna. Maybe it's one of my little. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being too particular about this, Ken. When I say Christmas is not in the Bible, I made a point a moment ago, and I want to emphasize this for those who are listening. I'm not saying that the birth of Jesus is not in the Bible. Obviously, I, Gary and I, you know, believe that Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is recounted in the Gospels and mentioned in other places. Uh, a body you has prepared me, even says in the Old Testament, much less quoted in the book of Hebrews. And the word became flesh in John. And you have the reference of, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, the reference in the book of Hebrews about him taking, becoming a sharer or partaker in flesh and blood. Those are all references to the incarnation and the birth of Jesus Christ. So it's obvious the birth of Jesus Christ is in the Bible. This holiday that later, much later, a thousand years or more later, came to be called Christmas or the, the Mass of Christ is not in the Bible. That's the point I'm making. It's not that the birth of Jesus is not in the Bible. This holiday that people celebrate with all of its trappings and, and, and deciding we're supposed to do this and this and this leading up to it and have all the other church year built around the Advent, as they call it, all of that is something human beings have made up. It's not something that is found in the New Testament. And, and that's the part that I'm saying uh, that I don't believe we ought to be following particularly, as, especially as a church, because the birth of Jesus is in the Bible. The celebration of Christmas as a holiday and all the other things that go with it, the giving of gifts and all the other things, uh, are something that human beings have made up. And it seems to me like we prefer the holiday that we made up, Christmas, over the memorial that Jesus Christ gave, which is the Lord's Supper. Supper. We prefer the one we made up over the one that Christ did give give us and so um the the um yeah the, the point the point i was making is celebrating not jesus's birth which is in september during tabernacles yes i believe that's probably right mm-hmm. his 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 um conception yeah he now we went through this some other time and i i, I think i know what you're alluding to uh Ken, because I kind of agree now that I studied it, that Jesus was probably conceived in in the in late December because of the time difference between his birth and the birth of John the Baptist, and as uh, in the in the book a book of uh, Luke about the course of the course of Abijah being John the Baptist's father was in the course of Abijah and they were in the temple when we know in the time of the year that would have happened that Jesus was probably born in September around the Feast of Tabernacles, which makes sense because the Tabernacles was God coming to dwell among men, and that's exactly how John frames it, that he came and became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. So I think it's more likely biblically that the birth of Christ occurred during around the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which would be our September but he was probably conceived sometime in December or January, which is the time that people celebrate. September the 9th month. September the 9th. I thought, I thought it was the 15th, but that's okay. September the 9th. So it was, he was probably conceived during the time that we would call Christmas. But yet there's nothing, yeah. nothing biblical about when that happened. Now someone texted in and said that there's something, it's, it's kind of, erotic or sexual in the in Luke one thirty five, <clears throat> where the angel answered Mary and said to her the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God so they're, they're probably referring to this word overshadow here because the idea one of the uh, figures of speech for sexual intercourse in the Old Testament would was a a covering, an overshadowing, where a man would lift his garments, as it were, and, and 
uh, and cover a woman, and, and, and that's how that's how um, <clears throat> conception took place. And so they're, they think that the Holy Spirit here is borrowing that figure of the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary and overshadowing her, as it were, we would say, impregnating her. Now, of course, we don't have any idea how this could, could occur. This is a miracle that's taking place, the incarnation. But uh, that's the reference to it in, in Luke one thirty-five that someone texted in about. But uh, don't don't forget verse thirty-nine. Um, basically, Mary agreed to this. This was not beyond her wishes. I have to take verse thirty-nine very carefully. Thirty-eight, you mean? Or thirty-eight. Mary arose and said, "Behold the." Ma- then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Yes. So Mary accepted this responsibility. Yes. And I, of course, God apparently knew that she would, or at least he chose her. She did have a choice in this, but he picked her for a reason. <clears throat> she was the right kind of person for this to happen. So we have no problem with the birth of Jesus Christ. And understanding the story that's told in the, in the New Testament about that and the significance of the birth of Christ. Without the incarnation, there certainly cannot be any death and resurrection and ascension to power. Not, the man cannot be saved unless Christ did become a man. God apparently could not save man in the way that he wanted to save him without this incarnation. So we're not diminishing that at all. Well, this was a prerequisite to the resurrection, which is has to be. There was a bodily birth of Jesus Christ in flesh and blood, blood. and there was a resurrection bodily in flesh and blood, blood of Jesus Christ. Those are fundamental, quote-unquote, Christian beliefs or tenets. Those who reject those beliefs are not truly Christian, in my view. They have a, they have a different gospel that they're preaching if they reject those, those beliefs as such. I think historically that's been the case. I'm not, I'm not standing out there on a limb by myself when I say something like that. So there is this... Uh, well, there's a passage, Mike, that I would like to read that I think we lose sight of that Paul wrote in the First Corinthian letter in chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. He says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise if in, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Basically, that is, that is a, a powerful passage in refer- ref- reference to the resurrection. Yes. Christianity is totally futile if Christ did not raise from the dead. And, and that's what's rejected by, by liberal Christians and, and so yes. forth <clears throat> around the world. And, and um, I would wonder, I'd like to ask this woman who says that Mary was raped at Christmas or this one here that's objecting, saying that she was chosen by God to help women recover their bodies and whatnot, whether she believes in the bodily resurrection of Christ. <clears throat> you also have this in First John, and speaking of the of this doctrine and this teaching about the birth of Christ coming in the flesh. 1 John 4, 3. Every spirit that does, does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, or this is of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So if a, if a person will not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, meaning through the flesh of Mary, then he is Antichrist. And these, these people were in the world at that time. The Antichrist was in the world at that time. And there are many Antichrists in the world today and have been who deny this teaching. And a lot of them have robes and backward collars on, teach at seminaries who do not believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And that's what you need to be aware of. Well, basically, and it bounces back and forth to that res- resurrection again. Uh, In Romans 10, the good confession in verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you and in in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. 
that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, with if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Right. They're, they're so related to me. All, Mike, all this that, ties together very yes. tightly. So when you start picking away at the one, say I don't believe in the incarnation or the birth of Jesus Christ, and Mary was not a, not a virgin, and Joseph was Jesus' father, you undo the entire package. Yes. Or if you believe he was God's son but didn't wasn't raised from the dead bodily, well, now you've unraveled the package on the other end, you see. So, uh, <clears throat> one of our textures says, yes, that, that he says they were early Christians that thought that Jesus was not really human but only appeared to be human. Yes, and they're, they're wrong. Of course, there were, they're, they're, that's what the passage I just read was about. They're wrong. The book of Hebrews 2 says that he became a sharer and a partaker in flesh and blood so he could be like his brethren. He partook of flesh and blood the same way that we do. He was not just some apparition that only appeared to be human. He was human. He was also God. Now, that's a lot to wrap your mind around, but that's, that's what's believed. So, yes, there, there are always Christians who will say this or that. I, you know, Gary will laugh about this. I'm always telling him here, uh, you see it on the news all the time. You can get a clergyman to say anything. Pick any subject you want to, or how bizarre or how wicked it is. And if, you, if the news media want to get a certain quote, they can find a quote-unquote clergyman to give them the quote that they want. Well, I, I would advise okay. everybody to look at what the Bible definition of the Antichrist is. Yeah, it's one who says that Jesus did not come in the flesh. Exactly. And they've been around. There's not one Antichrist that's coming. There's a bunch of them, and, and, they, been, they're and, here. and they exi- he said they existed back they then. They existed back then. So, of course, there were Christians. This is what John, that's why the book that we just quoted, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, that's part of the reason why they were written, because Christians were saying, because of Greek philosophy, that Jesus could not have had flesh. He could not have been a God, God and human at the same time. That would have made him easy, okay? I mean, that would make that would have made him evil, because flesh is evil, spirit is good in their view. And they use the word flesh to mean physical flesh, not the way the Bible uses the word to mean fleshly desires or desire to please yourself. Uh, that's the problem. And so this confusion over flesh and spirit was a big problem then. It led to this error that somehow, uh, along with Gnosticism, that Jesus could not have come in the flesh and been a been God himself. Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. <coughs> Look at what some of the Christians at that time were apparently saying in verse 12. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? They obviously had people among the Christians there saying there's no resurrection. Well, the Greeks did not believe in resurrection. They so, didn't believe in the resurrection of the physical body. Right. Because and many of them believed the body was evil, so it was just going to go away. So, Basically, Paul has to combat that idea as well as the other. Gary, you, you know, we've talked about this many times, both here and preaching and you and I and even on the show. <clears throat> this is a fundamental error that so many Christian denominations make about Jesus, about flesh and spirit. And then whenever, they, whenever they see the word flesh, they, mean, they think it means the body. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But when it says Jesus Christ came in the flesh in this context... It's talking about in a physical wow. body, which is not evil. What they say is the flesh is evil. Now they're confusing that with the way the Bible also uses the word flesh to mean fleshly desires. And I would define it simply for people this way. The desire to have your way and do what you want to do, that's what has to be killed in you before you can be a servant of God. To have your way, to have control over your body and your thoughts and your actions to do what you want to do with them, and have no restraints upon that, that's the flesh. And this, that battle with that flesh is what Christians struggle with, what everybody struggles with. And, but the idea that Jesus was born in the flesh, he, he didn't say flesh was evil to have a body. Jesus had a body. And he had a body so he could come and redeem both my soul, as it were, my spirit, and my body in heaven. And so, uh, yes, and the... John texts in Galatians 4, 4, Paul made it clear that in, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a virgin, born of a woman, I should say, in that case. So here's, his, here's the son of God being born into the world, 
uh, the whole point of it being from a woman is that he was not just some kind of spirit form that appeared in, to Mary or appeared in Judea. He didn't just appear in Judea at some time. He was born through the womb of a woman like every other human being, and he was a human being like other people were. In all points, it says, he's been tempted like as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.16. And he had to grow up and become a man and begin to <coughs> teach just like Right. Him. Now, that's a, that's, there's a lot to talk about there and to, dis, to, to discern about how he still was God's son and still divine in doing so. But that's clear. Now, Ken, we've left you hanging on the line here. I forgot. Well, to let you finish your point. I, I'm, not, I'm getting ready to leave anyway. So I'll see you in a few minutes. Okay, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. We, okay. we are, we're glad that he called in today, and I apologize for just rambling on and on there. But these are fundamental issues, and I thank Ken for bringing this up today. Uh, I do think it is interesting that uh, men tend to put a lot of emphasis on things that they create more than what God has created. You see this down through. And then what Jesus told, said about the Jews in his day, that they would rather keep the traditions of men than the commandments of God, right. Matthew 23. They make void God's commandments to keep their own. This is exactly what goes on in the human heart all down through time. It isn't that Gary and I are cranky, we don't like Christmas or a bunch of Grinches. No, you come to my house and you'll see that that's not the case. The case is, it's always about this issue. What does the Bible say about this? What should we be doing as a church? What should I be doing as an individual? And, and there's many distinctions that got to be made about that. It's not about whether we like something or don't like it. It shouldn't be that with you. Well, I like this. And people will say, well, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to about that. Okay. You know, God's not going to strike you dead. You can do what you want to. That doesn't mean you have a right to do it in God's eyes. It doesn't make you right when you do it. Having a right to do something as an American citizen it's not the same as being right in the eyes of God. And it doesn't mean God is going to justify you in the judgment either. No, just because you say, well, I chose that to do what I want to do about this. But so see, that's the attitude we seem to have. If, <coughs> if it's right in my eyes, then it's okay. Yeah. That, that seems to be the prevailing idea of society today, and it's done to allow you to do whatever you want. Exactly right. Now, let me, let me shift the, this keeping on the same subject but shifting a little over, Gary, at least for a minute. This, this discussion we've been having this morning, a lot of it hinges on information that you're going to have to get by reading the Bible outside the Bible. In other words, when it talks about the Feast of Dedication or when you're reading there in Second Chronicles about dedication, you're going to have, if you're going to understand the story of the Maccabees and how what we call Hanukkah developed and what feast Jesus was going to in the book of John, you're going to have to know something about history or Bible history. It's easy to find. It doesn't make, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Any good sound commentary by, written by someone who believes in, in the word will tell you these things. You, you can find out about this feast of dedication, what we call Hanukkah, in, in Encyclopedia Britannica. It isn't some hidden secret knowledge. But sometimes, in order to understand the, the intricacies of the text, you got to know that. Or you can find it in the apocryphal books of Maccabees and, and yes. those things. The, yeah, the, the, you can, the first, second Maccabees have, a, have this whole story laid out for you, the whole war and everything about that laid now, out those, for those them. Those are not basically considered to be inspired scriptures the jews the jews who, are accurate history right the jews who wrote first second maccabees and the other apocryphal books did not consider them to be inspired it's ironic that the catholic church thinks that they're considers them to be inspired but uh, even the jews who wrote them didn't think they were inspired and yet they kept the other books of the old testament the other histories samuel kings chronicles and so forth and they, they kept, kept all of separate. those intact and they kept them separated yes so that's the, that's the path that I think is the right path to choose. But it doesn't mean that there's nothing valuable in the books of the Maccabees. They are interesting history, and they've been somewhat verified independent, and studied the same way the New Testament has. And so you, you have to sometimes, you have to dig a little deeper. You have to dig a little deeper than just the surface about these things. Well, that's why I keep saying, Mike, that uh, the history of Western civilization, when I was in high school, I learned a lot about uh, the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Medes and Persians and the Greeks and, and the Romans, 
And when you understand that history secularly, you can also read the Old Testament prophets and understand what's going on a whole lot better right. than if you just try it. Now, it's, th- it's there in the Old Testament if you want to dig for it. Well, now let me make th- that's exactly right. Now, let me make this other point about that. The idea that I'm putting forth here, and Gary and I are putting forth, I should say, that, that um, Christmas is not a, a Bible holiday is not some kind of a radical, odd point. I, I think if you were to go and look at, just go and read the history of the Christian church, as it were, by Philip Schaff, one of these other, Larimore, a guy named Larimore, another Christian scholar who wrote extensive histories of the early church. These men didn't believe what I do about keeping Christmas one way or the other, but they will tell you that all the traditions we have today about Christmas and Easter came much later than the New Testament. They, they don't make any apology for that. They're just telling you historically when these things developed and how they came to be like they are today. Now, I make a judgment about that, and I say, and Gary agrees with me, that, that, that well, we should go only by the New Testament and what it says about these things, not what somebody decided, some council decided a thousand years after the event to do. Now, they don't agree with that, so you can read from sources that disagree with us about how to treat these things, and you'll see it's the same facts I'm telling you. But what, what, what we make of that is, and we want you to think about this, is if we want to be the New Testament church in the 21st century, like they were in the 1st century, we're going to have to go back past all of this tradition and go back to the New Testament to find out what to believe. And if you go and were to ask, many our listeners will go and ask their pastor or preacher this morning, to show them in the Bible the celebration of Christmas as we keep it today, maybe the same kind that they're going to keep in their church during the next two or three weeks. Ask them to show you that in the Bible where early Christians did that. Ask them where it came from. And what you'll find is they'll, they'll refer to the story of Mary and Joseph. Fine, that's true. But that doesn't justify a Christmas celebration. But then they'll go on to tell you, it's customary and became traditional, and all. Well, now, now you're hearing the same. You're hearing the same thing that we're saying. We're just saying our response to that is different, and that we say we shouldn't follow those traditions and bind them on other people. Well, I would have to go back and say, well, when did Jesus tell us that we needed to celebrate his birth? Yes, he tells us to celebrate his death, remember his death every first day of the week. Exactly. Which is what we ought to be doing. Do this in remembrance of me, he said around the Lord's Supper. But one of the reasons, Mike, that I I think we need to repeat, that you and I believe that we shouldn't be doing those things we can't find in New Testament Scripture with reference to the New New Testament Christians is John 12, 48. Right. Exactly. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. We will stand before God one day. And there will be a measure by which God will apply those things to us, and it will be the words that Jesus spoke in the Scriptures through himself and his apostles. Right. And so we need to know what that is. If you don't know what that is, how do you meet that standard? And that's why we're here. That's basically, I can't say it any plainer. Right. That's, that's what you and I okay. both believe, and that's what we try to do. Right imperfectly sometimes but that's what we try that's, to that's do. The, that's the goal and I don't think you ever reach anywhere if you don't have the right goal in the first place if you just say well the goal this goal can never be achieved we're not going to try so that's what this show is also about <clears throat> to God, try to go back to that beginning point and look at understand these scriptures but if you just listen to what <clears throat> these these pat, quote, quote unquote pastors say or what these uh, other religious people say and don't go look at the Bible yourself you're never going to know, for example, that the three wise men are, were not in the Bible. That just calls them wise men. Doesn't tell you how, how many there are. Doesn't tell you uh, what their names were, like tradition does. And it, they came to the house. Doesn't say they came to the manger. They came to the house probably up to almost two years later. You, you, you don't hear this because it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. Well, our time is gone today. We want to wrap this up. We appreciate Ken calling. But those, the two, I, we those got. two things we talked about, Mike, the physical birth <coughs> of Jesus and the resurrection uh, after, he was, after he was crucified are the foundation of Christianity. They Without are. those two things, it's, it's all lost. Thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. I want to apologize for my bad voice. Didn't know I had it until we got on the air. I want to invite you to take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com. 
wearejustchristians.com. We meet this morning at 10 and 11 at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. We'd be thrilled and glad to have you come. We're not going to ask you for money or intrude on you in any way. Come and see. Come and be with us today. Thank you very much, and may God bless you. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians from Savona Church on WPSL, Port St. Lucie.